Man, that was awesome, wasn't it? Man, <laughs> you guys are crazy. That note. Hey, listen. <laughs> Are too kind, seriously. Thank you. It's good to be in Columbia, South Carolina. Seriously, it is so awesome to be here, and I want to thank everybody that came out from. Like, we got people from all over the state here, and some, I just kicked over my water. Uh, anyway, it happens. Hey, listen, if you're here, though, tonight, and maybe you're, um, you're not a, a believer in Christ, you're not a follower of Jesus, hey, we're, we're glad you're here. And I know for the past 30 minutes, 45 minutes, you've been wondering, what in the heck is going on? And all that's going on is people have fallen in love with a man named Jesus Christ. And for the past 45 minutes, we've been wanting to worship him. Now, if you brought a Bible with you tonight or if you got a phone that has the Bible on it or whatever, we're going to talk a little bit about something that, that God's been teaching me. So if you brought a Bible, go to Mark chapter 2. If not, we're going to read some verses. We'll put them for you on the screen. But I'm really excited about the fact that I really do believe this Sunday across the state of South Carolina on campuses and even for people that watch online that we're gonna see about 3,000 people give their lives to Jesus Christ. I really do believe that. But I was thinking while I was on my break, um, while I was on sabbatical, I was thinking about this whole salvation thing because one of the things we've tried to do at New Spring Church since we started 12 years ago is preach the gospel. And one of the things that we've seen is we've seen people in church, when we preach the gospel, we've seen them give their lives to Christ. But I was reading through the gospel of Mark, and I began to see something that I've never seen anywhere in the scriptures. I've been reading the Bible for 22 years, probably longer than that, because when I was a kid, my parents stuck me in a private school, and it was great, not really. But I saw something in the scripture that I've never seen in Mark chapter 2. And then I saw it again in Mark chapter seven. And then I saw it again in Mark chapter eight. And then I saw it in Mark chapter nine and I was like, oh my gosh, I've read that for years and I've never seen it. So here's the question I wanna ask tonight. I'm gonna answer the question. I'm gonna read a couple, several passages of scripture that emphasize the answer to the question. And then we're gonna continue to worship together as, as, um, as one church in many locations. Here's the question. Will Jesus save somebody because of our faith? Not, not their faith. See, some people go, oh, they gotta come to church and they gotta have faith and they gotta get saved. That's not what I'm asking. I'm asking the question, will Jesus, will God move in a church in such a way that's unbelievable that he will actually save someone because of the faith of the person that brought them to church. Now we're just gonna read the scripture because the more church background you have, you're probably gonna say no. Because that would have been my answer until I really started reading the Bible. But the answer to that question is yes. That Jesus Christ will save people because of your faith. Now if you don't believe that, I don't blame you because I didn't believe it either until I began to see some things in Scripture. And so I just want to read this to you. This is so good. Mark chapter 2, 
uh, verse 1. We're going to start out in Mark chapter 2, verse 1. The Bible says this. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, watch this, the people heard that he had come home. Now, I want to stop real quick and say there's um, a contingent of people that believe that when Jesus was on earth that he was homeless. My question is how could he have been homeless if he came home? Hey, man, I'm homeless. Where are you? I'm, I'm going home. But anyway, you, you can't go home if you're homeless. Not only did I think Jesus came home, I think he went to his own house. And, and I want you to see what happened, which would have been the house of God. So I want you to see what happens when Jesus shows up in a house. People have asked for years, why is New Spring growing? It's because Jesus showed up in the house. Because watch what happens when Jesus shows up in the house. Verse 2, they gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. That's probably going to be Columbia campus this Sunday, I bet. I mean, we got to talk about that for a minute, Columbia, because I know Florence has room. I know Myrtle Beach, Myrtle Beach, we've had an extra service in Myrtle Beach. I know that Charleston has room. I'd love to fill all those places up, but Columbia, Oh my gosh, there's going to be no room in the house. I read that. I did. I thought about Columbia campus. I was like, my God, that's Columbia campus right there in the Bible. I just, I, not really. I just thought that. The Bible says there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. So don't miss this. You got Jesus showing up in the house. And when Jesus shows up in the house, he starts preaching the word and the house gets crowded. I mean, there's parking lot problems. There's people trying to get their kids checked into Kids Spring. Just kind of threw that in there. There's, there's all kinds of craziness taking place because people wanted to see the place where Jesus had showed up in the house. Now watch this. Some men came, verse 3, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Now let me stop real quick and say, if you grew up in church, you were taught that four men brought this guy to Jesus. That's not what the Bible says. It says four men carried them. Evidently, there was a group of friends that were like, we're gonna do what it takes to get our friend to Jesus and he was paralyzed, which is the same deal with some of our friends and family members. They have something holding them back from Jesus. They're paralyzed with fear. They're paralyzed with frustration. They're paralyzed with doubt. And it's gonna take some friends in this room doing whatever it takes to get them to the place where the place is crowded, where Jesus is, where they can hear the word of God so that they can be healed from their paralysis. Let's keep reading, this is great. Verse four, since they could not get him to Jesus, because of the crowd, they, watch this, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. Now, once again, I've heard this taught incorrectly for years. I've heard that houses in this time period used to have tiles and they simply removed the tiles and lowered the man. Is that what the Bible says? No, the Bible says they dug through the roof. They dug, and in other words, these friends were so passionate about getting their paralyzed friend in front of Jesus that when they showed up and they saw the crowd, they didn't go, you know what, we'll just leave and go watch it online. We'll just leave and come back to another service. They were like, we are getting him in that house. 
We're gonna do whatever it takes to get him in the house. They were willing to look ridiculous. They were willing to look foolish. They were willing to look stupid. It did not matter. They knew we've gotta get this guy in front of Jesus because if we can get him in front of Jesus, Jesus will change him. Now watch this. Watch this. This answers the question that I asked a while ago. Verse five. When Jesus saw their faith, Whose faith? Their faith. Not the man. He's on the ground. He's paralyzed. Jesus saw their faith. He said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Jesus healed the paralyzed man because of the faith of the people that brought him to Jesus. Now that's awesome. Now, once again, I know this is crazy. I know this is crazy because I read that and I was like, oh my gosh, he healed this guy because of their faith. Let's keep reading. This is, um, this is a great story. Now, some of the teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Notice the Bible doesn't say that they said that, but they thought that. But then here's what stinks about Jesus being there because he could read their thoughts. The Bible says in verse eight, immediately Jesus knew in his spirit, this is what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said, why are you thinking these things? You ever been called out for thinking something? I've been called out by my wife, but I, which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven or say, get up, take your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up took his mat and walked out in full full view of them all. And watch this. This amazed everyone and they praised God saying, we've never seen anything like this. I read that verse right there and I was like, I hope every campus after every service says that this Sunday, we've never seen anything like this. Oh my gosh. There are people, we have never seen anything like this. No, 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 no. Here's the deal, here's the deal. I know, I know, I know, I know. We could look at that and go, well, that's one story in the Bible and Jesus saved them because of somebody else's faith. And I agree, but I kept reading. I got over to Mark chapter seven. Um, This was really cool. Mark chapter, we're just gonna stay in the gospel of Mark. Mark chapter seven, starting in verse 31, the Bible says this. Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon down to the Sea of Galilee into the region of the Decapolis. Watch this, verse 32, watch this. There some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk. So once again, people brought someone to Jesus. The Bible doesn't say he came to Jesus. The Bible specifically says people brought him to Jesus. Now I wanna show you something that I just saw this this week and this was awesome because we're gonna, we're gonna see this again in just a second, watch this. And they, what's that word say? Begged. Maybe some of us have asked somebody to come to church. Maybe somebody in this room has asked God to save them and it doesn't seem to be working. And my encouragement or my challenge to you tonight is maybe we should move from asking God to begging him. What could happen with a church that begged God for the salvation of the people in their lives that are far from Jesus. 
What if we were willing to move from asking to begging? Because watch this, this is so cool. They begged, they begged Jesus, um, let me, let me, they begged, they brought a man who was deaf and could hardly talk and they begged Jesus to place his hand on him. After he took him aside away from the crowd, a little weird, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears. I just, you ever thought about that? There's a lesson here. Jesus isn't always gonna do it like we think it should be done, right? Jesus, this is what I want you to do. And Jesus is like, hold on, y'all stay right there. And if I'm over here, I'm like, what? what's he doing? Why's, why's he gotta put his finger? I'm, I'm breaking out the hand sanitizer because now you got some wax on your finger. I'm just freaked out about Jesus. But listen, the Bible said Jesus gave the guy a wet willy, all right? I'm just saying, just, I'm just reading y'all the Bible tonight. It gets better. Then he spit and touched the man's tongue. It gets a little nasty sometimes when Jesus, he looked up to heaven with a deep sign, said Epatha, which means be open. At this, the man's ears were open, his tongue was loose, and he began to speak plainly. Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone, but the more he did so, the more people kept talking. People were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well, they said. Jesus healed someone, not because the person asked to be healed, but because some people cared enough about him to get him in front of Jesus, begged Jesus to do something. Jesus didn't do it the way that they thought he should do it, but at the end of the day, he did it like it needed to be done. Jesus will save people because of our faith. Now, I know that's two stories, and I agree, and I just kept reading through the gospel of Mark. I got to Mark chapter 8, verse 22. Watch this. They came to Bethsaida, and some people, watch this, brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. Now, once again, did the blind man walk in? No. Some people loved their friend enough to actually take him and physically bring him to Jesus. They didn't pray for his blindness to get healed. They said, we're gonna do whatever it takes to get this guy in front of Jesus because we believe if we get this guy in front of Jesus that Jesus will do something so phenomenal in this guy's life that no one will ever forget it. And watch what happens. I lost my place. There we are. Verse 23. He took the man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes, I read this and I was like, why has Jesus always got to spit on somebody? No, I'm serious. You've been in church all your life. You've never seen that, have you? Jesus, blind guy standing right there. And if you're over in the corner, you're like, man, that is wrong. You can't be spitting on the blind guy. If I did that, y'all would arrest me. Perry's outside the colonial center spitting on a blind guy. What are you doing? I'm trying to heal the man. Back off. See, that's jacked up. But I'm telling y'all, Jesus spit on the blind man. Salvation's messy, y'all. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked him, do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. 
I don't know what that means. I just think that that's funny. <laughs> Once more, Jesus put his hand on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened. His sight was restored and he saw everything clearly. One more time. This is the third time in the Gospel of Mark. Jesus healed someone because of somebody else's faith. He didn't do it. Maybe like the people wanted it done, but at, at the end of the day, Jesus gets the job done. Hey, one more time. I, I, I just saw it again, and, um, and I, this is the last passage we're really going to look at tonight. The Bible says in John, I'm mean, sorry, Mark chapter 9, verse 14, when they came to the other disciples, that, once, real quick, Jesus, Peter, James, and John had just been up on the Mount of Transfiguration. They had just been up there. It's an unbelievable story. It's in Mark 9. It's in, um, it's in uh, Matthew, uh, I think, 17. I mean, it's an unbelievable story. But the Bible says when they came down off the mountain, the Bible says when they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. Now, I want, I want to make a point real quick. I think the reason a lot of churches and a lot of ministries many times don't get a lot of stuff done it's good. They're too, bu too busy arguing about things that don't matter, that do not matter. And when we argue about things that do not matter, something tragic happens. Watch this. Verse 15, as soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to, meet, ran to greet him. So all the people are arguing. They see Jesus. They leave the argument and they run to Jesus. That Jesus attracts more people than an argument eight days a week. You know what I'm saying? And one of the things I'm praying this Sunday is when people walk into New Spring Church, whether it's Myrtle Beach or whether it's Florence or whether it's Columbia or whether it's Charleston, whether it's Anderson or whether it's Greenville or whether it's Spartanburg, no matter what campus they go to, I'm praying that when they show up, they really do see Jesus instead of a bunch of people that argue. You know why? Because when Jesus shows up, things happen. One of the things I've been wondering about for the past 20 years, and I've just got this question answered in the past month, is God is everywhere, right? God is everywhere. God is omniscient. God, that means God is everywhere. That means we can't go anywhere. That means if we leave here tonight and we go to Starbucks, God is there. But he's always at Starbucks. That means if we leave here and go to Krispy Kreme, God is there. That means if we leave here and go to the mall, God is there. That means no matter where we go tonight, God is there. He's omniscient. So when the church meets together, it doesn't matter where the church is, God is there. So if God is in every church meeting, why doesn't more people get saved in every church all across the world? I've that for years but God is omniscient but sometimes God will manifest himself there's a difference between the omniscience of God and the manifest presence of God God is everywhere at all times but every once in a while he shows off every once in a while he shows up and when God shows up something significant always happens and my prayer for this Sunday at New Spring Church and every Sunday at New Spring Church is when people walk in the doors they don't just experience the omniscience of God they experience the manifest presence of God that God shows up and shows off because when God shows up and shows off something significant always happens in the church now watch this. This is so cool. What are you arguing about? 
what are you arguing with them about, he asked. Watch this. A man in the crowd answered, teacher, I brought, don't miss this, I brought my, to you my son. Not my son asked to come see you. I brought my son. I brought my son here. I brought my son here to see you. Who is possessed by a spirit who has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. Ask your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. Don't miss this. There was a group of people over here arguing about something. Meantime, there's a boy over here hurting and in pain. And when we argue about things that are meaningless, the hurting people are always ignored. But when Jesus showed up, the argument stopped and he addressed the need of the hurting father and the hurting child. And watch what happens. This is so great. You unbelieving generation, he re- Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Watch this. Bring the boy to me. I hope some of us hear that. I think that's what God is saying to some of us tonight when it comes to our lost family members and friends. Bring the boy to me. Bring the girl to me. Bring the person to me. Bring them to me. Watch what happens. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. Watch this. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. I want to stop real quick tonight and address those of you who have gone for the big ask this week. You weren't here Sunday? Ask somebody. You've asked somebody to come to church. You've asked somebody about their relationship with Christ, and they have shut you down. And you know what? Not only have they shut you down this time, they shut you down last time. And you are just like this father in this text that we read right here. Oh, Jesus, if you can do anything to help me, if you can do anything to help us, because I am desperate at this point. And watch this, watch this. Verse 23, if you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. Everything is possible for one who believes. And this needs to be some of us, maybe this needs to be our prayer tonight. Verse 24, immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. Maybe that needs to be some of our prayers tonight when it comes to our lost family members and friends. Jesus, I wanna see them come to Christ. I I wanna see them give their life to you. I wanna see them give their heart to you. And I'm struggling right now, so help me in my unbelief. Because listen, I'm telling you, we've got one more day to go out and find people, invite them to a place for this Sunday. They're going to hear the message about Jesus Christ. 
Lives are gonna get changed. People are gonna get saved. And it's gonna happen because people in this room dared to believe in a God that could save 3,000 people in one day. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said he's dead, but Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet and he stood up. That's gonna happen this Sunday. That's gonna happen this Sunday. We're going to see people literally changed, but don't miss this. Four stories in the gospel of Mark where Jesus saved someone because of someone else's faith. And there's enough faith in this room to see 3,000 people get saved this Sunday. I believe it with all my heart. Jesus changes people, church. Jesus changes people. For too long, the church has been focused on telling people all the changes they need to make. And we've been trying to get people to change without Jesus. But when somebody meets Jesus, they ask Jesus to come into their life. They recognize that they're a sinner separated from God and Jesus comes into them. That's when they change. That's the message we're to focus on, Jesus Christ. There is no other name given under heaven by which men and women must be saved. His name is Jesus. We bang the Jesus drum here at New Spring Church all the time. And I believe, I believe tonight that some of us just need to focus and say, dear Jesus, I do believe. Help me in my unbelief because you, you need to go for one more invite, one more phone call, one more swing by somebody's house. You need to kidnap somebody Sunday morning. Hey, the, the Bible says they brought the paralyzed man. You can bring somebody to church. You don't ask them, you say, I'm bringing you to the house. Now, hey, I'm gonna be real honest with you. I'm gonna get real honest right now. Some of you are here tonight. You probably got lied to. Your friend said, hey, come to a concert with me. It wasn't a total lie. And I wanna tell you something. I wanna make it very clear to you. You just heard four stories from the Bible where somebody had no ability to change themselves. They came to Jesus and he changed them just like that. That was their story. You know what, that's my story. 22 years ago, I was separated from God. I was a sinner. I was lost. My life was in shambles. Somebody brought me to church. I heard the gospel. I asked Jesus to come into my life and be my Lord. I surrendered my life to him and he changed me. The only reason I can stand here 22 years later and tell you how good Jesus is is because somebody brought me to a place where I could meet him. And maybe tonight, that's what somebody did for you. Maybe tonight, that's what somebody did for you. So we could all over the auditorium tonight, if we could bow our heads and just close our eyes for just a few minutes. I want to do two things tonight in our invitation. But the very first thing I wanna do is invite you to invite Jesus to come into your life. There are some people here tonight and this is what I believe. I believe this with all my heart. 
I believe you're here tonight and you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Here's reality. The Bible says there's this thing called sin and sin separates us from God. The only thing that, listen, you can't change. The only one that can change you, his name is Jesus Christ. And the reason you came here tonight was to meet Jesus. You're here tonight and you need to give your life to Jesus Christ. You know you need to become a Christian. You know you need to turn your life over to Jesus. You just heard four stories, then you just heard my story. And so in just a second, I'm gonna invite you to give your life to Jesus Christ. You say, Perry, how are we gonna do that? It's very simple. In just a second, I'm gonna ask everybody to stand up with me and we're gonna sing some more songs in just a few minutes. But as everybody stands, if you know that you're here tonight and you need to give your life to Jesus, I'm gonna ask you to do something really bold. I'm gonna ask you to stand up and just walk forward wherever you are and join me right down front. You say, Perry, that is a bold step. You know what? You're right. And you might be the only person in the room that doesn't. But here's what I know about you. Somebody brought you here tonight so you could hear about Jesus. I would be willing to bet you they'd walk with you. And hey, if there's one here tonight that'll do this, we'll celebrate. If there's 10 here tonight, we'll celebrate. If there's 100 here tonight, we'll celebrate. But I'm telling you, I believe with all my heart that somebody needs to come forward tonight. And listen, you, maybe you've been running for years. You need to give your life to Jesus. So just, I'm gonna count to three. When I hit three, we're all gonna stand up, the heads bowed and eyes closed. But if that's you and you know you need to give your life to Jesus, you come forward right now. One, two, three. You stand up and if you need to give your life to Christ, you just come forward and join me right down front. Let's go. You might be the only one, but you come right now. Amen. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. If you need to give your life to Christ, you just go. Come on, right now. Right now, come on. If you need to give your life to Christ, you just come. Come on, right now. Come right down here. Come right up here. You need to give your life to Jesus. Come on. We will wait. We will wait. You just come on right now. If you need to give your life to Christ, you come on. Somebody brought you here tonight so you could ask Jesus to come into your life. You come right now. You come right now. This is a taste of what we're going to see this Sunday. This is what happens when a church gets serious. Anybody else, you come on right now. Anybody else, you need to give your life to Christ. We got plenty of time. We got nowhere to go. It's a Friday night in Columbia. We're throwing a house party unlike anything anybody's ever seen. You want to give your life to Jesus, you come on right now. You thought you were going to a concert and you're going to a concert. The angels in heaven are about to sing your name. It's about to get crazy. You need to give your life to Christ. You come on, we'll wait on you. We will wait. Woo! I'm excited in this place tonight. It's not even Sunday and Jesus is already doing his thing. Anybody else, you come on, you come on.
We'll wait on you guys, man. Praise God, this is so good. We better, we better get loud in this place, come on. <laughs> people bringing people to Jesus, people bringing people to Jesus. People bringing people to Jesus. That's how it's supposed to work. People bringing people so they can meet Jesus. Anybody else need to come? Praise God. Yeah, come on. We'll wait on y'all. Come on. We got time. We ain't got nothing but time. Nobody's getting mad. Nobody's getting ill. Everybody's getting happy up in the place. If you need to come give your life to Christ, look at all these people down here that have said, that's what I need to do. You're not the only one in the room. Let's go. Come on. Why wait? Some of you are like, I'm going to wait till Sunday. Why wait till Sunday when you can just do it now? Amen. Praise God. Right back here. This is awesome right here. Somebody bringing somebody so they can meet Jesus. That's what it's all about right there. Somebody bringing somebody so they can meet Jesus. That's what it's all about right here. Somebody bringing somebody so they can meet Jesus. Friday night in Columbia, this is the best place in the world to be. Amen, amen. Right back, this is awesome. This is so good. I love seeing this. It's pumping me up. Woo! We might sing to midnight tonight. Anybody else? Anybody else need to come? There is a God in heaven that loves you very much. He gave his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for you so you can be made right with him. Anybody else at all? Anybody else? You need to come give your life to Christ. Anybody else? Praise God. Praise God for a full altar on a Friday night in Columbia where we're talking. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if we confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord. Let me tell you what that means. It means, Jesus, I'm giving my life to you. Doesn't mean I'm perfect. I'm going to be perfect. Doesn't mean I'm never going to mess up. This is what it means. From this point on, Jesus, I'm giving you everything. You can have my life. You can have my dreams. You can have my decisions. You can have my hopes. You can have everything. I'm giving Jesus is Lord. The Bible says if we confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Not you might be saved, not you ought to be saved, not you could be saved, but you will be saved. So I want to invite you, right where you stand, I'm going to invite you to pray out loud. I want you to pray out loud. I want you to pray loud enough for the person next to you to hear it. Because just in case you forget about this, I want them to go, uh-uh, uh-uh, hey, hey, hey. August 24th, we were there. I walked forward with you. We were in Columbia. I was there. I stood right next to you. You confess Jesus as Lord. I want you to pray out loud. Listen, just saying a prayer doesn't make you a Christian. It's saying Jesus is Lord and meaning it with your heart. So you ready to do this? 
You ready to do this? I want to invite you to pray out loud with me and say, Jesus Christ, I confess you as my Lord. I confess you as my God. I confess you as my King. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave to pay for my sins. Right now, I receive you into my life. Take over, take control. I am yours. I will follow you the rest of my life, the best I know how. In Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people said, Listen, this is reality. Most of you that came forward tonight, I'm, I don't know your name. I don't know your name. I, I don't like this. I think this might be the first time we've ever seen each other, but here's what's cool. The Bible says in Luke chapter 15, Jesus said that when one sinner on earth repents of his or her ways, that the angels in heaven shout and scream and throw a party. So right now, your name is being screamed all over heaven and there's a celebration going on because you were lost and now you're found. Can we give God a praise in this place? <laughs> hey, here's what I want you to do. Everybody that came forward tonight, I need you to do this for me. You got to participate with me. You're a Christian now, all right? So you and Pastor Pete, we're like this. One of my friends is right over here. His name's Jake. Jake, would you raise your hand? This is Jake right here. Put both hands up in the air, Jake. I know you can do that. There's Jake. Jake, want, Jake and some friends of ours want to just have a really quick conversation with you. We want to get some follow-up information with you. And listen, it's going to be so quick. You're going to be back with the people you came with before the, before the um, worship session's over. So I know some of you are like, I'll just run back to my seat. Don't run back to your seat. In fact, y'all just form a barrier. Y'all don't let anybody get back to their seat. I'm just kidding. Don't, don't fight. But like, we're not taking you behind the creepy curtain or anything like that. I promise. Nothing weird. It's just, we want to get some, we, listen, all we want to do is help you take your next step because you didn't cross the finish line tonight. You jumped out of the starting block and we as a church want to help you do it well. It's going to be quick. So if you guys would follow Jake, if y'all would just follow Jake up these stairs right here. And as they're going out, as they're walking out, let's celebrate in this place one more time and give God and I want you to look at this I want you to this is what's going to happen on Sunday because we believe that Jesus saves people when we bring them to a place where they can hear about him are y'all getting quiet on me now God is good. God is good. God is good. 
loving this. I've never clapped this much in Gamecock country. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Amen. Man, this is beautiful. If you're here tonight and you prayed to receive Christ standing there, why don't you just go on up and tell somebody too? Because it's going to come out sooner or later that you're a Christian. You can't hide it. Hey, let me ask you something. Have you enjoyed just being together as a church family and just worshiping tonight. I don't know what heaven's gonna be like. Nobody knows. But I do know, according to the scriptures, that we're gonna worship in heaven. And here's what I want you to think about right now. Who's that person that you wanna worship with that's not in the kingdom yet? Who's that person or those people that you want to worship with? I mean, it's the person you're, you're trying to bring to church Sunday. Listen, when you stand in front of Jesus one day, you're gonna want them standing right here. In fact, just on your face together in front of the Lord. In fact, I'm wondering how many people here tonight would say, I'm bringing somebody to church in Perry. If God saves them, it's gonna be a miracle. And I just need him to help me have stronger faith tonight. Just raise your hands all over the auditorium. Yep, yep, look at that, look at that, look at that, look at that, look at that. Hey, listen, I'm gonna pray with you and here's what I want you to do. I just want you to close your eyes and I want you to ask God to save them and I want you to imagine standing in the presence of Jesus with them right now. I want you to imagine Jesus revealing himself to you and them and just singing words like, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come and it's you and it's them and you're celebrating and ask Jesus right now, fill me with that kind of faith. Fill me with the kind of faith, Jesus, that I can stand in front of you one day with my friend or my family member and sing the songs in Revelation. Blessing and glory and honor and power and praise and thanksgiving be to our God forever and ever. Jesus, right now in the name of, in your name, I ask you, Jesus, to fill us with the faith that you filled those people with in Mark chapter two the faith to bring our friends and our family members to church Sunday, that you would fill us with the faith, God, to believe that you, could, you can save them. God, that we would leave this place this evening 
worshiping you and believing in you. God, we would step out on Saturday worshiping you, believing in you. God, even if they don't give their lives to Christ this Sunday, God, we would still worship you and believe in you because sometimes you do it and it's not the way we want it done. But Jesus, we're going to praise you tonight as a finisher of good works. And we're going to praise you tonight. We're going to claim Philippians 1.6 that if you began a good work, you will complete it. And so, Father, we're asking you this Sunday to do things we've never seen. And God, when all the smoke is over and the battle is clear, we will stand together as one church and we will praise you. We will lift up your name. We will exalt your name. We will honor your name, Jesus.